0: Wait here, I'll be right down. Hello, son. Hello, father. Annie, two. Two. You heard it. Gee, I have not a hand yet. I'm sitting in a rummy seat myself over here. Keep your hands to yourself, shorty. Here it is. What's it worth? Two. That's all it's worth. Hello, father. Hello, boys. Hello. Hello, sir. Hi, Doc. Which one of you is Whitey Marsh? I've got a message for Whitey. I'd like to deliver it to him alone. Hey, wait a minute, I'm out of a buck ten. Come on back here. I'm Father Flanagan. I saw your brother Joe just a little while ago. We had a long talk about you, Whitey. Joe wants you to come with me to Boystown. You've got a swell chance taking me to that joint. That's right, a swell chance. I've got $280 your brother gave me to take care of you. I don't care if he gave you a million bucks. What am I going to do in a broken-down nursery like Boystown? Town? Oh, there are a lot of things you could do. We've got machine shops, carpenter shops, we've got printing presses, farming... You know, I think you might like farming. It's good for you. Keep you out in the open. Put a hair on your chest. <laughs> if you think you're going to make a plow jockey out of me, you got another thing coming. Now, look, Whitey, in a pinch, I can be tougher than you are, and I guess maybe this is the pinch. You're coming with me to boys, Tom, because that's the way your brother wants it. And that's the way I want it. To a hospital, I can't go nowhere. Oh, oh, my arm, poor broken arm. Well, let's see. Oh, now. Where does it hurt? oh, it? take it easy, will it? You? right you? Yeah, right there. Uh, well, I guess we, oh. we can... Now, why don't you stop acting like a kid, Whitey? Why don't you stop acting like a kid, Whitey? Anyone, Pop Quiz, anyone know the two main characters of that story? Mickey Rooney and who else? Spencer Tracy. Come on. Boys Town. So why don't you stop acting like a kid? We are in a four-week series right now called My Story writing the story that God wants to tell. If you missed it last week, let me catch you up. It doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, how young you are, how cool you are, how uncool you are. It does not matter. Church person, not church person, every single one of us is telling a story. And the good news, hallelujah for the good news, is there are portions of our story that we are so excited to tell, right? You got your friends with you and go, hey, let me tell you about the time. And you tell them the time you did something, you accomplished something, you have a funny joke or made a difference in somebody's life. You're telling the story. And we all have these parts of our story we like to tell. And then there's also the parts of our story that we don't like to tell so much. Right. You got a couple of pages. Do you have a couple of pages that you'd rather just rip out of the novel of your life? Anybody else besides me? I mean, I guess I can spiritualize it and say God uses it all. And he does. And hallelujah that God is bigger than me. But there's just some parts where I'm like, what was I thinking? There are chapters for some of us where we just say, what was I thinking? And unfortunately, we cannot go back into our past, change our past. Hallelujah. Again, for God, he can redeem our past, but we can't change it. But the good news today, everybody say today, today, today is that the future story has not yet been written. Hallelujah. In this series we're talking about the decisions that we will make today that will write our future story. If you're taking notes and I want everyone to have notes today, if possible, If you need a writing utensil, uh, raise your hand and we'll get you one. If you're taking notes, I want to just review our key thought for this series. And if you're taking notes, it's this. The decisions that you make today determine the stories you tell tomorrow. It's so true. The decisions you make today determine the stories that you tell tomorrow. Let's say it all loud together. The decisions that you make today... Determine the stories that you tell tomorrow. It's so important to realize that what we decide today, one day it will determine the stories that we tell about our lives. I I shared a long story last week of my decision to go to a college group one Friday night, ten years ago, and how that decision, that seemingly insignificant and small decision, has led me to this place Today And I want to share a quote from Andy Stanley, one of my favorite leaders in the church today in his book, The Principle of the Path. This is what he says. He says, direction, not intention, determines destination. I love that. I love that direction. The actual direction your story is moving is actually going forward. Not like what you intended to do, but the direction you are actually heading determines the destination, not your intention. Because for the most part, we all have good intentions. I think if I looked at everyone in this room, you guys have good intentions, right? But the way that we are living right now will ultimately determine the story that we tell. Not what we intend to do, but what we're actually doing. This is how I want to live my life with intentionality because good intention or good intentions They're not going to get me anywhere. It's actually the decisions that I make. Last Sunday, I talked about how the church has kind of become my mistress, right? Having an affair with the church where I love my job. I love what I get to do. And so I spend morning till night working on the things of the church. And the whole time my family has suffered. I can't tell you how many times my three kids have told me or I've had to tell them that I couldn't do this or I couldn't do that because I was working. And so I've been heading down this path that so many other pastors have gone down that will end up having me having a marriage that is broken and having a shallow relationship with my kids. And so after discussions with my wife and my kids and my counsel and my boss and my cat and everybody else, I've decided I would start some disciplines that would allow me five years from now to tell the story that God wants me to tell. Amen? Amen? Amen. Because see, men and women in my position, they're telling a very different story. Because after bad decision after bad decision after bad decision, the cry in their heart is if only I could go back and do it all over again. So for me it's so good. Not easy. But good, Tuesday night, which is prime time working for me, Tuesday nights. But instead, I went to Fred Myers, about some Nerf darts, and I came home, and Ava, Trevin, and I had a Nerf battle, which was awesome. And, um, in fact, it's crazy with kids. I, I did that, and I, we were going out for like an hour, hour and a half. But eventually, it had to end to where I'm like, I'm tired. Can we just be done with the Nerf battle? Because they could have gone on for hours. But I also showed Ava how to swing a bat today. I even showed little Addie how to throw a ball. Uh, Mary and I, I had her go to a counsel, had us go to a counseling session on Friday to help give us some tools on how to do this right, where we're honoring the church, the bride of Christ, but also honoring my bride that I've been married to for almost nine years now. And I just want to encourage you counseling. We've been going to counseling for nine years now. Please go to biblical counseling. It's awesome. Uh, our counselor is amazing. Uh, he's our biggest cheerleader, our biggest fan. Uh, it's just so good to have an advocate in your life and like i said before that we are willing to pay for your two first two counseling sessions uh, of biblical counseling if you want to go down that road so please take advantage of that because honestly and i I hope you'd agree with me my heart is i want to be able to tell the story that god wants me to tell i mean anyone else anybody else just want to be able to tell the story That God wants me to tell. And I'm saying that to you and I ask you that because in my 10 years of being a pastor, I can't tell you how many of you and the other churches I've been at have just told me stories that are full of regret. Like painful, deep regret. I, I Just again and again, I would do anything. I would give anything to be able to do it all over again. And those people, or you've you learned the hard way, that the decisions that you make today determine the stories that you'll tell tomorrow. And direction, not intention, determines destination. So today could be a very powerful, life-changing moment for many of you. And the overriding question of the series is this. How do you live a story? How do you live a life worth telling? In our main verse, we talked about it last Sunday. It's found in Hebrews 12, verse 2. The author of Hebrews, he says, let us fix our eyes on who? Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You want to live a story worth telling? Fix your eyes on Jesus, right? Come on. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Wouldn't it be amazing if we just let Jesus author the story of our lives? If we focused on him so intently that he actually led us. Because I promise you, if you are truly led by him, you will live the life, live the story that is worth telling it's a promise it's a guarantee so today once again we're putting all of our eggs in one basket we are calling on jesus to be our everything to help us in our time of need to lead us according to his plans and purposes i love that last song jesus 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 get our eyes on jesus and in this series we're making four decisions if you're here last week we made the decision anyone remember we made the decision to serve <laughs> To start the decision to start. How many of you have committed to start something, to start a discipline? Anybody? Amen. If you haven't, go listen to the sermon and start something. It's not just a good show. It's actually supposed to be practical. So start something Um, today. We're going to decide to stop and I'm going to talk about that the, the rest of our time together. Next week, we're going to decide to stay when it would be easier to go because so many of us ruin our stories when we walk away from something because it's difficult or we walk away from a dream or a friendship or we walk away from God or from church or from a relationship because it's just too hard. When it would have been much better for our story and better for our lives if we would have stayed. So we're going to decide to stay. In week four, we're going to decide to go because to do something really significant in your life, you're going to have to take some steps of faith. You're going to have to take some risks. And we're going to have to do something that maybe unnerves you just a little bit. When it would be easier to play it safe and just be comfortable, there are times when you have to decide to go. And you're not going to want to miss that service because I have a feeling that Ghana is going to find its way into that service. Amen. But today we're going to decide to stop. We're going to look at the Old Testament. Again, we're going to look at a story from the Old Testament every week this week. It's Moses. And it's a story about Moses that many of you can relate to. Those of you who are single parents and maybe those of you who are overwhelmed. Those of you who have a draining job and just can't get it all done. Those of you who are full-time students and working 30 hours a week on top of it. Those of you that are just worn out by all of your problems you might be able to relate to the story. Because, see, Moses, he felt all of those ways. He was worn out from all the problems of all the people. And they were, they were bringing him all this stuff. And they're trying to get him to handle all these different disputes. And so Moses' father-in-law... Anyone remember Moses' father-in-law's name? Jethro. Jethro. One of the coolest names ever. Jethro. If I had another child. Jethro Bursch. No, I wouldn't do that to him. But... Got a ring to it. But Jethro, he came up to me and he said, Man, you gotta stop. You gotta stop doing all this. And here's the advice that Jethro gave him. Exodus 18, verse 17. Moses' father-in-law, he said, What you're doing is not good. Everybody say not good. <laughs> not good. What if I told you today that you're doing something that is not good? Right? Not good. When I think if I just was here, I said, you know, what you're doing. And how that's going to play and apply to your future story. It is just not good. You've got a habit. You've got a mindset. You've got an addiction. You've got an attitude, a thought process, something. You've got something in your life that is not good for your future story. Well, this is kind of what Jethro is saying. Verse 18, you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me. And this is what he says. He says, I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. I love that. I'm going to give you some advice and kind of like a, I don't know, may the force be with you kind of thing. And may God be with you. And then he goes on, he says, okay, Moses, here's the game plan. Choose some leaders, choose some capable leaders. I want you to train them up, handle the disputes between you. I want to have you choose some to be over thousands of people, some to be over hundreds, some fifties, some tens. And whenever there are the really, uh, those problems, I just kind of want you to delegate the authority to these people to handle the issues. You only take care of the really difficult ones. And then to do this in Exodus 1822, or 1822, he goes on to say, if you do this, that will make your load lighter. Because they will share it with you. If you do this as God so commands, you'll be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. And the good news, if you read the story, Moses actually listened to his father-in-law, Jethro, right? Hallelujah. He did everything that he said. Moses actually stopped trying to do everything, which in so many ways brings him to the stories about Moses that we tell even today. So here's what I want you to do today, like we did last week. I want you to think of one thing, one thing only, not seven things, not 70 things, just one thing that you're doing that is not good. Say not good. Just one thing that is not good in your life. And we're going to commit to God, ask God to help us to stop doing what is not helping our future story. I just want to give us a couple of reasons why you should probably stop. And, and there's lots of reasons why you probably should stop doing something that is not good. But I'm just going to give you two, maybe that you hadn't thought of before. Number one, if you're taking notes, you need to stop because you don't know what you're missing. You don't know what you're missing. When you're doing stuff that you shouldn't be doing, I'm just here to tell you, you're missing out. You really are. If you've ever done something you shouldn't be doing, then, and then if, you, if, you ever, if you're ever doing something that you shouldn't be doing, and then you stop, have you noticed how incredible it is? Anybody like seriously how incredible it is. Like it's this sense of, wow, I'm not so overwhelmed or wow, I've actually got margin. I've actually got some time. My relationships are actually better. Maybe if you were doing something that was really like illegal or you're like, wow, I, I actually have a piece. I'm not looking over my shoulders all the time, wondering if I'm going to get caught. I'm not always wondering if I'm going to get in trouble or if this is going to mess me up. Right. I'm not worrying so much. You'll never know the blessings on the other side of you stopping unless you what? Stop. So you need to stop because you don't know what you're missing. And number two, you don't know what it will cost you if you don't. This is so good. You won't know what it will cost you if you don't. A lot of people have learned this the hard way. Some of my best friends now who I listen to, who I take wisdom from, they've done some terrible things in their lives. Especially some of the older generation that I seek my wisdom from. Awful things. And it's because of this. They, they didn't stop. And it cost them so very much. See, if you're doing something that's not good and you don't stop, you have no idea how much it's going to cost you. Think about Moses. Just think about his story and play that story forward. What would have happened if he had continued to be overwhelmed? Just overwhelmed himself, pushed too hard. Have you ever seen that before? Let me ask you Have you ever seen that before in anybody? Yes. The answer should be a resounding yes. We see it all the time. What would have happened? What could have happened? He could have had a nervous breakdown, right? He could have had a nervous breakdown. He could have just lost it. Unfortunately, a lot of pastors do that. My pastor in Wyoming. That's completely what he did. He was going too hard. And then one day he didn't get out of bed. Mentally just lost it. Unhealthy and fragile. He had to leave the ministry. They go too hard, hard. or maybe they would have gotten to a point where maybe Moses just would have lost it on God, right? Just exploded on God. Have you ever seen someone explode up on God, right? Just fed up with God. God, you put me in this. These are your stupid people, and I'm out of here. Forget you, God. You deal with it, right? This great man of faith that we now tell stories about generations later, he could have just walked away from it all and said, this is too much. Just forget it. The story could have been completely different if he didn't stop. No telling what it would have cost him if he didn't stop. So many people, including yourself this morning, you may have paid the price for not stopping. So what I want you to think about is what's your not good part of your life. And I want you to just play that story forward. Play it forward. Where is this going? Again, direction, not intention, determines destination. What is the direction of your story right now? You don't have to tell me. Just think about it. Be honest between you and God. What? are you doing that's not good and just play it forward right play it forward keep smoking keep drinking keep eating keep abusing your body in some way just play it forward what's going to happen well you're not going to take your daughter down the aisle you're going to be dead you're not going to see your grandkids because you're not going to be here or you're just going to battle the last 20 years of your life with health issues because of your decisions play the story forward young people just keep on partying live it up Play the story forward. You've seen it. One gets a DUI, one is in jail, one gets in a fight. The lucky ones, they just take their chemical addictions into their marriage and let it destroy their marriage over the next 20 years very slowly. Just play it forward. I had a dad of one of my classmates from high school. He was here. He visited our church a couple months ago. His son was the life of the party in high school. And his son and one of his son's best friends that both went to our high school, they both died after high school. One from an overdose on drugs, his son, and the other from being shot in a drug deal gone wrong. Whatever you're doing that's not good, just play the story forward. Keep looking at porn. You know, you haven't gotten caught yet, right? It's not harming anybody. It hasn't cost you anything. Just play it forward until you actually start acting out on it. Or maybe you won't act out on it, but she's going to look at you and she's going to be devastated. And your wife's going to say, was I not enough for you? Play the story forward. Keep overspending. Keep spending more than you make. Play the story forward. Keep nagging your husband. I mean, go for it. You're good at it. Pick them apart. Keep it going. Your marriage, isn't healthy. He's not healthy. Just make it worse. Tear him down. Disrespect him. Play the story forward and see where it goes. Play the story forward. So I want to ask you a question. It's the same question I'm asking every week. What does God want you to want? What does he want you to want? What does he want you to want in your life? If you believe in God, Chances are you might say something like this. God wants me to be more focused on my family or God wants me to grow spiritually or God wants my finances to be under control or to take care of my body or make a difference in this world. Something like that. But just think about it. Just in your head. Just what does God want me to want? And then here's the application. In in light of what God wants me to want, what do I need to stop? In light of what God wants me to want, what do I need to stop? What does God want you to stop? What decision to stop do you need to make today? And say today, please. Because, man, it irks me how we listen to a sermon and we don't do anything about it. Like, why do you? Anyways, today. (laughs) I almost went to a rant. But what decision are you going to decide to stop today in order to tell the story tomorrow? And again, like last week, just pick one. You pick seven. You won't be successful at any of them. Just one. One thing you need to stop. Last week, we talked about one discipline you need to start. Today, one thing you need to stop. Some of you, there's, there's something you need to stop that's external, right? You just got to stop flipping people off. Like, I get that they're bad drivers, but the middle finger has so many more applications that are better than that. So stop flipping people off. But other external things, maybe you need to stop getting wasted or you need to stop doing drugs. They're there these externally dangerous things. And some of you need to stop it. In Galatians, Paul talks about this in chapter 5. He describes some of these things. He, he says sexual immorality. He talks about idolatry. He talks about fits of rage, um, drunkenness and orgies and things like that. But others of you, you, you're mature enough where you've stopped those most dangerous external things, right? But I, I just would pray that you want to get so self-righteous on your self-righteous lawn chair saying, Oh, look how good I am. I don't do any of those things. See, what you need to stop is something that's internal. Something internally. I'd argue all day the most dangerous force in the world is not external, but it's the internal sin nature. And that's what gets us into trouble. In the same chapter, Galatians, Paul lists a few of these. He lists quite a few, but he's got hatred in there and jealousy, selfish ambition, envy. You need to stop whatever it is, that that bad attitude. You need to stop that critical spirit. You need to stop worrying so much. You need to stop that negative self-talk. Whatever it is, you probably need to stop something internally. And I just want to tell you some of the things that with God's help that I've been able to stop over the years. And as I've stopped these things, it really has helped me to tell the story that I'm telling today. One of the first things in order for others to take me seriously, I had to stop being so sarcastic. I shared last week that I had the gift of sarcasm when I was in high school. But in order for someone else to consider me trustworthy and honorable and a man of his word, I needed to start telling the truth instead of being sarcastic all the time. And so when I went to the University of Wyoming, I stopped. Another thing I had to do early on in our marriage is I had to stop trying to change my wife because of my immaturity and because of my selfishness. Our first couple of years in our marriage, they were pretty rough. I would just create this long list of all the things that she could do better as if. Our marriage would be perfect if she would just do this, this and this. It was pathetic. I was quick to point out when she did something I didn't like. Right. I was easily annoyed. But on the other hand, I was also quick to make up excuses or give myself or really just get defensive when she mentioned something that she didn't like about me. I was extremely unfair. I was demanding. I was selfish. But once I stopped doing that and I actually loved her for who she was, not dwelling on the things that bothered me, but instead highlighting and celebrating the things that I loved about her, our marriage very quickly got a lot better. You know, I tell people all the time that God did a miracle in our marriage, but I had a big part to play in that miracle. I had to stop being a jerk. I had to stop being an idiot. Something else that's really important to me is I had to stop tearing down other churches and pastors. When I was in high school and college, I was really good at just saying what was wrong with churches and pastors. I I was really good at saying what was wrong with everybody, really. But if you know I, I just remember saying, if only they would do this, or if only they would do that. And I still hang around a lot of people, and I'm not gonna call you out, but just a lot of people who are very negative. It's again, you have the gift of complaining about churches and pastors. Once I stopped doing that and actually began to speak well of pastors, to pray for them and to pray for their churches, even go so far as to support other churches. It has made a huge difference in my life. It's opened my eyes to how much God loves people. Yes, even pastors. God loves pastors and that God even, oh, how much he loves his church. Now I'm not perfect at this. Oh, just like, I, literally, it was like Thursday or Friday. I was reading about one of my favorite pastors and this 1.5 million, no, 1.7 million dollar, 16,000 square foot, not church but house that he was building for himself. I was like, 1.7 million, 16,000 square feet. Oh. So I'm not perfect at this, but I've just, I've learned to pray for pastors and to pray for churches instead of tearing them down. There's been a tremendous blessing, by the way, that has come along into my life as I've stopped attacking the church. And then one more. Recently, as a couple of weeks ago, Mary and my kids, they were just like, Dad, you're always on your phone. Dad, you're always on your computer. You're engaged in your job, but I've been doing a terrible job of engaging with my family. So I've stopped bringing my phone to the dinner table. I've actually even closed my computer a couple of times. So if you text me or you email me, you won't get an immediate response. Now, I'm still going to respond. Like I'm still Dan. Like, I'm still why the way I am. And I love communicating. I'm just saying it's maybe going to be more like 10 minutes instead of 10 seconds. So, so I'm working. And we're, we're, we're stepping into health. And this is truly going to radically change the story of my family. I've stopped being a slave to technology. And so praise God for that. And I just want to ask you, in light of what God wants you to want, what does God want you to stop? Just what is it? In light of what God wants you to want, pick one thing. What does God want you to stop? And here I made a list. This is a pretty long list, but just a a list of things just to kind of get your mind going. Because maybe you're still stuck and you're like, man, I don't need to stop anything. I'm just amazing. I'm the fourth member of the Trinity. I'm just an incredible person. So maybe I can take you down a notch here. (laughs) Some of you, uh, just like me, you need to stop being a slave to social media. You don't realize it, but some of you do this. You'll be in a conversation with somebody, like a face-to-face conversation. You'll just be texting while you're doing it. It's incredible that you do it. Or I'll be talking to you face-to-face, and you are posting on Facebook at the same time as I'm talking to you. Or you're tweeting a tweet of something that I just said while I'm talking to you, face-to-face. It's incredible But you say everybody's doing it, right? That's just the normal thing in society. Everybody's doing it. But like my mother would tell me so often, she doesn't care if everybody else is doing it. If they jumped off a cliff, would you jump off too? Stop it! Some of you, it's video games. Yeah, I said video games. Sorry. If you mapped out the time that you spend on your video games compared to how much time you spend fulfilling the great commandment, which is to love God and to love others, if you put that on a scale, it would be embarrassing. I remember I was doing, this is a true story. I was doing marriage counseling for a couple and we were talking about He said this, he was saying when he gets off of work, this is like when they're married, right? Like the first couple of days of being married, when I'm married, I need to make sure when I get home from work that I have my video game time before I engage with my wife. And I just thought, I saw in my mind's eye, I'm what, five months, six months, how long do you want to give them before that wife takes that little video game counsel and just chucks that baby out the window? Incredible. Some of you, it's your Twitter. You just tweet, 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 tweet. Some of you, it's like, oh, Instagram, I got eight likes on Instagram. My life has meaning and purpose. No, just put the phone down. Get a life. Look at somebody in the flesh. Some of you, you need to stop trying to control everybody and everything. Just some of your control freaks. You control your family. You control your situations at your workplace. Stop it. You're driving away your kids. You're driving away your spouse. You're driving everyone away. You need to stop being a control freak. Some of you need to stop being so critical and judgmental of everything. You pick everything apart. You're picking this whole church service apart right now. Well, guess what? I can pick it apart, too. You're picking me apart. Guess what? I can pick me apart, too. It's not a gift or a talent to be able to pick things apart. Maybe you could actually stop... And actually hear something from God. So stop being so judgmental and actually enjoy life and enjoy the things that are around you. Some of you need to stop smoking weed or cigars or cigarettes or crayons or whatever it is. You just got to stop. Some of you, it's an alcohol addiction that you need to stop. Some of you need to stop hanging out with the wrong crowd. You know, it. you don't need me to tell you that you're hanging out with the wrong crowd. Stop it. Some of you need to break up with a loser. It's like, oh, but he has so much potential. I mean, I know my dad, my mom, my friends and everybody else who loves me tells me he's no good, but you don't know him like I know him. Stop it. Some of you need to stop overspending. Some of you need to stop eating junk food. It's not your single-handed mission to keep hostess alive. Some of you need to stop watching questionable movies. Some of you need to stop neglecting your family. Stop blaming God. Stop blaming God. God didn't do it. Some of you need to let go of the hurt. You need to do what Christ did and actually forgive somebody. Some of you need to stop holding the grudge. On and on and on. What is it that you need to stop? Hopefully that gets you going just a little bit. What do you need to stop? Again, to tell the glorious divine story that God wants you to tell. We're going to close with this. I want to go back to Hebrews 12 too. But I want to start with a verse that comes before it. And this is what the writer of Hebrews, he says. It's so powerful. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, what should we do? Everybody say this aloud. Let us throw off everything that hinders. Say it again. Let us throw off everything that hinders. He says everything. I'm just saying pick one, everything that hinders one thing that would hinder your future story. what does he tell you to do? Throw it off. Stop it. Get rid of it. Throw off everything that hinders and what? Say it with me. And the sin that so easily entangles. If if there's something that's entangling your story, if there's something, oh, if there is something that is getting in the way of your relationship with God and your future. Right? Oh, man, if there was a thing that was keeping me from my divine destiny that I have in Christ Jesus. Cast it aside. Get rid of it. And instead, this is a beautiful, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And let us fix our eyes on who? Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on who? Jesus. Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith. That's so such a good verse. And, and, and when I say stop and fix your eyes on Jesus, I'm not talking about behavior Modification, right? Anyone can do that. We're talking about spiritual transformation. That you would actually hear from God, and that God would say, "This is hindering your future story." And even now, I I can only imagine. Maybe it's just like, but I've tried to stop before. Right? I've tried to stop before, and I'm just here to tell you. That by the power of Christ within you, you can stop anything that he has called you to stop. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells within those who believe. And you can, by that resurrection power, stop. You must depend upon the Holy Spirit for spiritual transformation to take place. It's not... Just by trying really hard or giving it your best shot or having a bunch of willpower. There must be a desperation within you for the Holy Spirit to lead you, to guide you, and to help you. You can be transformed by the Holy Spirit. You can throw off the things that hinder you and the sin that so easily entangles. You can run the race that has been marked out for you to run. This is important. I want you to take this extremely seriously. If God has called you to stop, then by his power, you can stop. Do you believe that this morning? The decisions that you make today will determine the stories that you tell tomorrow. He wants to empower you to be able to tell that story. And the direction, not intention, determines destination. If you're writing the wrong story, stop. Maybe you again might say, you know, my life's not perfect. My story's not perfect. You know what? My story is far from perfect. I am messing this thing up every day. But praise the Lord, my story is not finished. My story is not finished. My race is not over. Your story is isn't finished there is still a race to be won our savior jesus christ he can help you live the story that he wants you to tell but you've got to decide to stop and then here's the other thing once you decide to stop you're going to have to fill that void with something else this is really important because if you stop something you better be flooding your life with the word of God, with godly counsel, be daily filled with the Holy Spirit. You got to come to church. You got to listen to worship music, join a life group. You just got to be going to such a place where you are laser focused on Jesus. If you're going to stop anything, you better be filling your life. With Jesus. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen tells us that if we seek him, we will find him. So fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the author and perfecter of your faith. He will give you the strength to stop what you're doing. He will give you the supernatural power to move forward in telling the story that he wants you to tell. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, please let this... Never just be a neat little church service. We don't want to just go to church. What a waste of time, Lord. Let us hear from you this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would transform us, God. There are things in some people's lives in here this morning, Lord, that have just completely devastated them and caused destruction wherever they go. And these things need to stop in the mighty name of Jesus. We have given ourselves so many excuses, Lord, to live in dysfunction. But I pray, God, that today we would be convicted by your Holy Spirit to stop and instead live by the power of your word and by the power of your spirit. Lord, we want to tell the story that you want us to tell. And as I pray today, I'm going to ask a question. It's a simple question. Don't respond yet. But I want you to just think about it. And I want you to take this very seriously, that you would ask God, God, what do you want me to stop in order to live the story that you want me to tell? What do you want me to stop? And I pray that you'd be able to share this with somebody else so they could be praying for you. Again, this isn't behavior modification. This is spirit transformation. And those of you who would say, you know, absolutely, I want to live a story worth telling. So that I will seek God, hear from God, and stop what is hindering my future story. If that's you, would you lift your hands right now? Amen. Absolutely. Hold them up high so I can see you. Amen. Go ahead and put them down. Amen. God, I just pray for this entire room that you would give us a big picture of our story. That we would look at the direction, honestly look at the direction we're traveling, Lord, and and just play it out and see what would end up happening. Just give us the wisdom to see... The, the awful things that could happen, Lord, if we continue to play out the story as we're currently living it. And God, just show us one thing, a specific thing that we could stop. Something that's hindering us from telling this story. And God, for those who have decided to stop, I just pray that this wouldn't be like a New Year's resolution as much as it would be a spirit-directed, life-changing moment. That you would give us all the power to do what you've called us to do. And God, we live the story that you want us to live. And as we keep on praying and nobody looking around, I just what's incredible to me and is right now and in the next few minutes, many of you are going to have a significant change in your story. Your story is about to change forever, because when we talk about Jesus being the author and perfecter of our faith, I just want to be real clear as we pray who this Jesus is. Jesus is God's son. Jesus is the only one, as Lindy was talking about, who has lived without sin. He's the only one that could be the perfect sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. So you look back over your story, and, and the reality is there are things that you've done in your past that you are ashamed of, that you are embarrassed about, and you feel guilty about. I'm just saying right now, take those things to God through Jesus Christ. And guess what? God will completely forgive them 100% everything you've ever done wrong against him. The only way you will ever qualify for heaven is not by living the perfect story. That is impossible. But is by being forgiven by the perfect Savior, Jesus, God's son. Some of you today, you're going to realize, oh my gosh, I need that. I am desperate for that. And when you call on Him, hallelujah, Scripture tells you that when you call on Him, you become brand new. Your story is changed in a moment. Others of you, there's excuses. Some reason why you haven't fully given yourselves to God. Maybe you grew up in church and you've drifted away. Maybe you're not a church person. You'd say, well, i got to do these things first, or I've got to get my life clean first. Here's the deal. You're never going to clean up your life good enough to come to Jesus. You just need to come to Him today. Stop. Stop making the excuses. Come to Jesus this morning. Some of you, maybe you're just not sure. You kind of think there probably is a God, but you're not too sure. Listen, it takes faith to believe. Jesus said to Thomas the doubter, he said, stop doubting, Thomas, And believe. This morning is your time. Stop the excuses. Stop doubting and believe those of you who would say, yes, I need him. I want him to write my story. I need his forgiveness. I want to surrender my life completely and wholly to God through Jesus Christ today, no excuses. I give my life to him. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hands right now and make the decision that will change your life forever? Amen. I see you in the back. Anyone else? Raise your hand high so I can see you. Beautiful. Love it. Everybody pray with me. Hallelujah. Pray, Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, be my Savior and the Lord of my life. God, my story is no longer my story. I want it to be your story. Fill me with your spirit so I could live the story you want me to tell. Say this with me. Thank you, Jesus, for new life. Today I give you mine. My life is yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.